Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. You what? need to wash your hands after you use the restroom. Yes. Period. With Steve Cofield. I like messing with him, but he's got the perfect face for radio. <laughs> Adam Candy. This is gotcha journalism. You know what? They're not going to gotch me. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Having a good time today tracking all the sports, including a no-hitter. We'll tell you about that in about 30 minutes. We're getting ready here for the puck drop. Golden Knights at the Wild. Man, Monday did not work out. Complete collapse at the end of the game. Got to get this win tonight, and I I like what Brian Blessing said. You know, you got this one in front of you. You're uh, one, five, and one against the Wild. You can't win this. Uh, you know, you've got this season that's been a great season. What are they, 36, 13, and two? You can't win this. I mean, what does it say about your real hopes, your real chances of winning a Stanley Cup? Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Oh, boy. We see these stories come down the pike. And I always read them, react to them with a little bit of hesitation, Candy. We've got another weird object found in some fast food. I will take you back to whatever year it was. My guess is 2006, a woman who found a finger in the Wendy's Chili. I might not have the year right, but I remember the woman's name, Anna Ayala, and it turned out to be a hoax. Uh, Then she was arrested and jailed multiple times after that. She was a scam artist. I hope that's not the case here. Did someone find a cigarette in a taco joint's taco? Oh, not just a cigarette, a wet cigarette, according to the story. Uh, I mean, it's in uh, in a taco. Adding to the wet. Well, it adds to the intrigue, Steve. Uh, How did it get wet? So. This woman claims that she found a wet cigarette inside a taco and she fed some of that taco to her one-year-old and was, of course, incredulous at the idea that the cigarette could get there. Um, But then she kind of gave some of her reasoning, Steve, as to how she thinks it got there. And that's almost weirder if it actually happened than, than if the cigarette really were in the taco. She said she doesn't know if maybe... Maybe the employee just had it up on their ear while they were making the taco, and it just fell in. It, it, yeah, I, I got a, I got a cigarette on my ear. It just it just fell in. It, do you think that's the the, the standard no. at the Taco Bell? You think you, you think the the employee on the line is allowed to have a cigarette hanging up by their ear? Like, man, it's getting odd these days on the line. Chalupas, gorditas. I can't keep it all straight. <laughs> who's who's the hard scrabbled New Yorker who's working at the taco? No, place? Th- what I'm saying is that the idea of having the cigarette up in the ear in the first place—that's right. the hard scrabbled New Yorker who yeah, is absolutely yeah. not working on the Taco Bell line. That is yeah. absolutely the person who is slinging hash at three in the morning <laughs> at a Greek diner. That is no way the Taco Bell employee who made this woman's taco and got a wet cigarette in there allegedly. By the way, we've got a little video hookup that you guys can't see. When we roll video, you see it. Uh, but Ari started rolling up the sleeve, kind of the old school pack of cigarettes in the sleeve. That that guy with that voice, that's what I envision there, is that he's got it. He might have one in the air, but he's also got the pack in the sleeve. Like, we are definitely deep into an episode of Alice here. 
Uh, by the way, going back to the way I set this up, Anna Ayala, the, and she was a Las Vegan, made the claim on March 22nd, 2005. God, I stink. 2021, why can't I remember years of big stories like that? She made that claim that the finger was in the Wendy's chili. It wasn't. They planted the finger. Wendy's then came back and sued her because they claimed they lost $21 million in sales, which I remember the story at the time. I'm like, that is gross. The visual of a finger in the chili, I can never eat that chili again. Um, went to court. She got nine years in prison. So when you falsify, I'm not saying that the wet cigarette is a fake story, but when people try to do this, you can get in a lot of trouble. Don't screw with Cofield's fast food is what he's trying to say to you here. Exactly. I ate a lot of Wendy's chili after that. I kept thinking, like, find a finger and it might be, ooh, I'm going to get rich because now it looks like a real thing. Like, Wendy's can't keep the fingers out of their chili. I'm Like, every time you get one, it's like a McDonald's Happy Meal, but for <laughs> adults. Tell me the first time you got it, you didn't go through with a spoon and you're, like, kind of ladling through. You're like, all right. Nothing, nothing giant, oh, no giant they, piece oh, of meat in this thing. They didn't, they did oh, dad, it just didn't cut the cow up enough. I was hoping for a damn finger. Number four. It's coming. It's coming, I think. As more of us get vaccinated, we're at, what, 43% or double vaxxed in Clark County. We need to get to 60% to get that. Uh, that's in terms of vaccinations and, and get to that number that we're trying to get to with 100% capacity. But in the meantime, the slow steps candy are being taken. Where are we now with the Vegas Golden Knights in terms of the approval? How big can the crowd be? And I know you have questions about, uh, you know, if it's seven or 8,000, how crazy is that place going to be at the Fortress for this final run into the playoffs? So we look at the game coming up this Saturday and see that the Golden Knights against the Blues are going to be up to 7,000 fans. Now, Golden Knights are not sure they're going to get that many people in the building, but they're allowed to have up to 7,000 fans at T-Mobile. And I think about just the change in the atmosphere with having 1,500 or 2,000 fans in that building, and I start to think the real home ice advantage, one of the most incredible things that I've seen in terms of fans organically growing something and creating something that is beyond what exists elsewhere in sports. And that's you, Vegas. That's you going out there to T-Mobile and creating an atmosphere that within four years, you had a guy like Alex Petrangelo, who came and signed with this team from St. Louis, come in and say, this was the hardest building in the league to play in. That's you. You did that being able to fill that up with 16, 17,000 people. So I think you can get 7,000 back in there and create one hell of an atmosphere at T-Mobile. And look, we're at a point where you just said 46% in Nevada. I saw a stat earlier today that 56% of adults in the U.S. have at least one shot. And the most recent science says that at least one shot, roughly 80% effectiveness. Of course, if you've had one shot, go get the second. Come on. If you went and got one, go get number two. You know that it's not that bad, and you're going to get like another 15% effectiveness out of the vaccine. But being able to get that many people back in the building, I don't know, man. There's just something about this year in particular in which the players have gotten so much juice from just a little bit of energy back in the building that you feel like being able to get that loud of a roar is going to be like having 70,000 in there. Number three. Why does he bother LeBron James? Or is this really important, Candy? He made a gaffe a couple of weeks ago. He's admitted 
that he tweeted with a lot of emotion around the police shooting of Makia Bryant in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, LeBron has gotten a rash of crap for a couple of weeks. People trying to, you know, burn his merchandise. Uh, you know, shows that uh, revolve around their bits of hating certain athletes, hating LeBron James. They've gone to town on LeBron James. And frankly, there is no apology or explanation that's going to be acceptable. His latest tweet says, I fueled the wrong conversation about Makia Bryant, and I owe it to her and this movement to change it. Uh, thank you to a guy named Fabio for educating us about Makia and her story and why this needs to be about her. What do you make of this tweet? And, you know, is there any turning back for LeBron with certain people in the sports and news audience who, you know, they, they view him as a guy who is incredibly flawed and the apology and explanation won't be accepted? Well, I don't think you can skip over those people but i do think that when you look at lebron james this was classy most everything we get from lebron is thoughtful it's classy it's purposeful and my first thought when i see lebron come out and give a thoughtful apology to something that frankly i don't think he needed to apologize for is that if we looked at every police shooting with the same scrutiny that we are looking at a LeBron James tweet about a police shooting, we would probably be a better country for it. We would probably be a country that was being fairer and more equitable to people of color, especially black people, if we applied the level of scrutiny to these situations that we do to LeBron as a professional athlete who is trying to use his platform to do something that most professional athletes never do. We we compare him to MJ all the time. And Michael Jordan has never taken this sort of stand. Michael Jordan has protected his brand at all costs. It's never been his way to go about things, and it has for LeBron. His More Than a Vote campaign did a whole lot more for the movement of advancing the cause of Black Lives Matter and of the black equity inequality in voting more than any one tweet made an emotion about a police shooting is ever going to be able to take away. Should he apologize? That's up to him. To those in the media who aren't going to accept the apology, they were never going to accept the apology. It's just more content for them. Number two. You know, the last couple of days when I've been talking about Aaron Rodgers and this rift with the GM and the Packers organization, he's pissed about Jordan Love being drafted. Uh, he's been making weird calls and making definitive statements. You know, he kind of looped in. Aaron Rodgers did uh, Mark Schlereth uh, last Friday, I think it was, where Schlereth went on the air after having a short conversation with Rodgers. He's like, uh, you know, the deal's almost done. He's coming to Denver. Uh, he's been telling other people. He actually, I think, told people with San Fran, you know what, let's go get on the phone trade for me so he's been stirring this pot Aaron Rodgers has and it goes back to again his annoyance that uh, they didn't communicate with him they drafted Jordan Love he sees that as a sign of disrespect also his contract has not been guaranteed and extended like many other quarterbacks towards the end of their career like you know Tom Brady uh, well he, he's got he's got a longer extension now with the Buccaneers so Rodgers is pissed and when talking about this the last couple of days, let me finally get to it. Uh, I've been mentioning that this feels kind of Bulls-like, right? Now, the, the titles aren't there with the Packers. So the GM with the Packers shouldn't be puffing out his chest like, I did it. I can do it again. Like, bro, 
Aaron Rodgers has led to the success. You guys haven't gotten over the top because you haven't added all the pieces that Rodgers has needed on defense and on offense, like maybe some offensive line depth when you have a devastating injury at a tackle position. You have someone who's actually ready to step in. So the job hasn't been great. And Rodgers mentioned it today, just like I mentioned the last couple of days, that, hey, you know what? Uh, the GM of the Packers, this kind of feels like Jerry Krause, who prematurely broke up the Chicago Bulls. Mike Garofolo, insider on NFL Network, talked about the mention of Krause. It's something that's been mentioned, and it's Jerry Krause who dismantled uh, that Bulls dynasty. Uh, it does show the disdain, I think, for uh, Brian Gutekunst's moves and what he's done at general manager. I don't know if it's a personal thing, but at least what he's done in his job that Aaron Rodgers has for him. Oh, it's a personal thing. It's a, Believe me, it's a personal thing. Keep going, Garofolo. What I'm told from multiple sources is that Aaron Rodgers was telling the Packers prospective free agents, basically, before you make any decision, I'm probably not going to be here, right? To the point where he was telling them, I'm told, all the way back to the beginning of last season. Now, that was in the wake, the months after the team had drafted Jordan Love. Um, did they believe that was the case or, or take that into consideration as they made their individual decisions all along the way? Well, David Bakhtiari, who's about as close to Aaron Rodgers as it gets, signed an extension with the team in November. So I think, like a lot of us, the players were hearing that saying, yeah, he's upset, he doesn't love it here, but he'll be here come next season. Yeah, David Bakhtiari also got the highest deal at the time for a tackle in the league. So, I mean, he that's a tough thing to turn down. Now he could have you know, become a free agent and gotten the same money. I'm not sure. So what do you make of this? What do you make of this Jerry Krause comparison that apparently Rodgers has thrown out there about the Packers GM? Aaron Rodgers is as concerned with controlling the narrative as he is with what happens to his actual playing career next year. And that's fine. He's earned it. He's earned the right to do this. And he didn't just earn the right to do this over a long career. He earned the right to do this on the field last year in particular. He's the MVP of the damn league. We were ready to write him off. So many people in the media were ready to say he's on the downside of his career. They draft Jordan Love. They piss him off. He goes out there and he wins the most valuable player award. And if his head coach had half a wit about him, he might have been in the Super Bowl last year. So I don't necessarily understand why he's so desperate to control this narrative, why he's so desperate to put all of this out there. Because we're always going to choose Aaron Rodgers over Brian Gutekunst. Seriously, man. So you don't even need to make him into Jerry Krause. Is it realistic? Yeah, probably. Like, we're going to choose the player over the GM, especially the GM that we don't know or care about. How many GMs do we actually think about in this league, in any league? How many GMs do you have that have banners up? How many GMs are in the Hall of Fame? Nobody knows, nobody cares. Right In the end, if a power struggle happens between a famous, highly accomplished Hall of Fame player and a GM, I think public sentiment should end up on the side of the player almost every time. And if Aaron Rodgers is so desperate to control the narrative, my concern here is that maybe he's going to take it too far. Uh, folks got very wrapped up in the Krause-Bowles comparison. And I saw Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News make a comment on it, saying, kind of ripping Rodgers, saying Rodgers should study basketball history better. Uh, there are surely GMs who would serve as a fitting standard of ineptitude. It's not necessarily, unless I missed part of the quote and 
uh, Rodgers explained this further. This is sort of through, you know, intermediaries that Rodgers is comparing the Packers GM to the former Bulls GM. To me, Candy, this is more about the premature. You are forcing the premature breakup of what should be a championship run here where Rodgers gets at least one more title. I think that's what he's referencing. And anyone who wants to step up and defend Jerry Krause and what he did at the end of the Bulls glory era, have at it. Because I think you're wrong. And I, I, you know, I watched the recap of the whole thing again. I was on air when it all happened. It was ridiculous then. It's ridiculous now. Jerry Krause, with the help of the owner, they wanted to turn the page. They were tired of players controlling all those narratives. Jordan said he wanted to keep going. You push Michael Jordan out of the game. You could have fixed it easily with Scottie Pippen. You signed him to a bad deal, and then you kind of brag, like, we told him, how about you be the bigger men, not in size, but the bigger men, the adults. Pippen was going freaking crazy, Candy, over the crappy deal that he signed. If you're a boss who wants to win and make money, why not go to the employee? Why not go to the player and go, you know what? We're going to make this right. We know how upset you are about this. We're going to make it right. They could have smoothed that over, and that run could have lasted three or four more years. But they prematurely ended it, which is what Brian Gutekunst, the GM, may be forcing with the Packers, a premature ending that's to something that's on a roll right now. They haven't won a championship, but they have a chance to win a championship. Do every Again, do everything you can to step up and fix the situation. Who's forcing whom, though? Uh, the idea that, that Gutekunst is forcing this is kind of backward to me. Rodgers is forcing this. Rodgers no, is driving no, no, the no. whole thing. No, no. Rodgers has stated basically what he's unhappy with. That means you go to Aaron Rodgers. First of all, you communicate with him before the last two drafts. You communicate with him during the offseason and free agency. And most of all, you know what you do with your star employee who carries your company? You kiss some ass. That's what you do. And That's yeah, what you should a, have it, done. It's a, it's a bit humble. Well, do, do whatever you need to do now. Save the freaking thing. Don't just throw your hands up and go, well, because we're, 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 we don't have any, you know, be a smart ass. We don't have any plans of moving them. That ain't fixing it. That ain't fixing it. Extend the olive branch, kiss his ass. LaFleur came out there, tried to do it, but apparently it's got to come from Gutekunst. But the idea that he's forcing it to me doesn't work because Aaron Rodgers is driving this train. Just because you don't like your boss doesn't mean that your boss is the one forcing you out. Your boss might just not be good at his job. And it seems to me that Gutekunst is just not particularly good at the people part of his job. He has screwed over Aaron Rodgers in terms of the communication and the respect. And those players who decided on their future decided to make the decisions on their own futures for their own personal well-being rather than whether they thought that Aaron Rodgers was still going to be here. And by the way, those destination spots that he would like to get to, I'm told the players knew all, if not or most, excuse me, if not all of those when they were hearing this stuff from Aaron Rodgers back in the fall. All right. So he's been talking about this basically from the beginning of the last football season. It's pretty amazing. The Niners, the Raiders, and... The Broncos could all be in the mix if, like I said, the GM doesn't step up. I know Candy disagrees with me, but I think they can they can try to clean this up or you're going to lose them. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. 
You are listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Golden Knights uh, puck drop was about 25 minutes ago on the road trying to get a game out of this mini-series. They had a really rough third period. Robin Leonard was uh, flopping around all over the place. Too many wild camping out in front of the net, in front of the goal. And the Wild stole a victory. Uh, VGK couldn't even salvage a point out of it after uh, really being pretty comfortable most of the game. But right now, scoreless in game two of this mini-series. Scoreless. It's about nine minutes in, so we'll continue to update you on the Golden Knights. You can listen to the game live over on our sister station, the home of Golden Knights hockey, pre-intermission and post-included. That's uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas, 1340. AM and 98.9 FM. So that's what's going on right now with the Golden Knights. Baseball today, Candy. Kind of crazy. Cincinnati shuts out the White Sox. White Sox are actually one of the teams that can hit a little bit, but they got crushed today. Two-hitter from Sonny Gray, of all guys, who's been kind of bad to start the season for the Reds. Two-hitter, but uh, eh. In this, in this first month plus of baseball, a two-hitter ain't that special anymore when you've got 10 teams hitting like 225 and lower. Uh, John Means is an intriguing guy. He's off to a good start. Maybe give some hope to Orioles fans. He freaking destroyed, just destroyed the Mariners. No hitter, the full nine innings, only a wild pitch kept him from a perfect game, and he struck out 12 Holy moly. Baseball this first month has been just bizarro land. Just craziness. Just craziness. As uh, Means goes out, throws the no-no, Seattle can't touch him. And like I said, there's uh, 10 teams right now that are sub-225 as teams in terms of batting average. So, you know, 35 days, four no-hitters, and... The first one in San Diego Padres history with Joe Musgrove, too. It's been just remarkable to see. Uh, pitching is dominating, hitting in a way that we've never seen. I don't think that's a bad thing. Pitching has adjusted. Now hitting needs to adjust. Fielding adjusted with the shift. Hitters have to get better. Maybe they do have to move the mound back a little bit. No, 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 no. no. You no. don't think moving the mound back six inches of would make pitchers worse, do you? You don't ever say that again on this show. Okay, Dad. <laughs> now, I hate the idea because I think you were getting to the, the, the correct way to look at this is uh, they will make adjustments. Here's the other thing. It's a bit phony because baseball jacked with the baseball. So we heard that this may happen. Baseball does this every so often, which uh, is a whole different issue. Uh, what if they just start going back to some of the old specs with the baseball manufacturing, and I have a feeling some of it would be fixed. But you do not need to permanently change the game. Come on, Candy, that was a disaster in the 60s. It was a disaster. When they, when they, when they changed the, the level of the mound, it's a, it's a quick-term fix, and sometimes it's an overcorrection. Uh, per, that's the thing. What, what is permanent? What, what do we define as permanent? Because Robbie Manfred's fake runner on second base and extra inning. That, Ugh. I don't know if that's permanent. Is that better permanent? Not be. Is that better just, not be. Is that this year? Oh, I, sucks. I agree with you. I I I think it's a garbage rule. But seven inning doubleheaders suck too. 
I get it, though, because we're forced to have more doubleheaders because of COVID. I hope it doesn't stay permanent. But when it comes to fixing the situation between pitchers and hitters, I do believe hitters need to adjust. However, this is a different era, right? This is an... It used to be get into the bullpen so that you can get to the 6th, 7th inning guys who suck. Now the 6th, 7th inning guys are coming out throwing 98 with 90-mile-an-hour sliders. Like, it's just not the same as it used to be. So you talk about the deadening of the baseball. Yeah, because Major League Baseball looked at this problem and said, everything's home runs and strikeouts. What should we fix? We should have less home runs. That's the idiocy of Rob Manfred. That is the absolute delusion of the worst commissioner in baseball history is that Rob Manfred looked at a problem and said, Less home runs. The one thing that people like in baseball. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and company on ESPN Las Vegas. Wait a second. Wait a second. It's another giveaway. It's like a pop-up on the show. Here we go. Caller 7, 364-1100, 364-1100. When you call in, uh, we want caller 7, but caller 7 has to know this word, blues. Got to say blues. If you call into Ari and you're like, what did I win? No, you're not getting it. Caller 7 and you have to say blues. Here's the deal. VGK jersey. It's a week of giving away Vegas Golden Knights jerseys. Yeah, we're very kind. ESPN Las Vegas is awesome. Our bosses are awesome. That's all it is. Say blues. 364-1100. Caller 7364-1100. We're giving away a Vegas Golden Knights jersey every single day this week. Special thanks to Finley Volvo. Of course, Swedish elegance and world-renowned safety await you at Finley Volvo. You can visit them at finleyvolvo.com. Caller 7364-1100. And with the jersey, then you also qualify for tickets to the game this Saturday. Golden Knights against the Blues. Caller 7, 364-1100, So, Candy, we've been hitting on the Aaron Rodgers story all week, this rift. Is it going to be a breakup? Well, we're not going to know uh, probably until the earliest, a week before the beginning of June. Why? June 1st is a massive date. The dead cap money would drop significantly at that point after June 1st. And we see this with a lot of players who are being cut. Um, you know, Charles Leno was cut from the Bears, but that's actually not going to be executed until after June 1st. So we won't know if Rodgers really is on the block or traded probably until late May, early June. But that doesn't mean we can't talk about it and the possibilities. And yeah, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, Mark Schlereth got all freaking jacked up because he's talking to Rodgers and Rodgers actually kind of fooled him or got him thinking that, hey, it's a done deal to the Broncos. It's not a done deal. So it's Broncos, Raiders, Niners. Broncos are the favorite. After that, who has a better shot to get Aaron Rodgers? Consider what the Packers want. Who has a better shot at getting him after the Broncos? The Niners or the Raiders? The Niners can't even be in this discussion. It doesn't exactly. make any sense. Exactly. Uh, they don't spend all of that draft capital to go get Trey Lance so that they can be involved in the Aaron Rodgers discussion because it's not like Green Bay's taking Jimmy Garoppolo back. 
That ain't happening. If you're a Niners fan out there, it's like, well, well, big contract. We can match up the big contract and we can send them some draft picks. Look, you don't have any first round draft picks for like three years. So don't even think about that. You traded those to move up to get Trey Lance. Also, you're hoping that Trey Lance, as soon as this year, but definitely by next year, mm-hmm. is your starting quarterback on a rookie contract. Do you want to have to commit to a new contract for Aaron Rodgers as well? No, of course not. And you're not getting Aaron Rodgers unless you commit to a new contract. So the Niners shouldn't even realistically be part of this discussion now. You could have had this discussion before they traded up. You could have even had this discussion before the draft, but you can't have it now. It be, beyond the Broncos, it's the Raiders. So let's talk about the Raiders versus the Broncos. Uh, I think the Broncos have improved their franchise immensely by taking away John Elway's personnel duties responsibility. It just was not working. They bring in a guy with a track record. He's been pretty smart so far in George Payton. So the Broncos, I think, have caught the Raiders in terms of uh, solidifying the organization. Now, that may be an insult to the Broncos. So let's think about this. The Raiders are in the mix. If Rodgers really wants to go to the, you know, to the Raiders, and we have to believe him that that's one of the teams he wants to go to. If you are desperate to win a Super Bowl and be added to a team to win that Super Bowl, do you trust John Gruden? Do you trust Mark Davis? Jim Trotter, longtime NFL reporter, freaking went in on the Raiders and just started crushing what's happened in this Gruden era. Look, in the three seasons under Jack Del Rio, they were 25 and 23. In the three seasons under uh, John Gruden, they're 19 and 29. And I think ultimately the responsibility rests with Mark Davis because he's the one that gave John Gruden the contract and complete control of football operations. Uh, Then he specifically went after John Gruden. Now let's get closer to home and look at Gruden. You know, since he won that Super Bowl in Tampa, he's 64 and 80. Over nine seasons, he's 64 and 80. Out of those nine seasons, only three winning seasons. Out of those nine seasons, only two playoff appearances. Out of those two playoff appearances, no wins. So he's now going into year four with the Raiders in, in, in the second stint, and he's yet to have a winning record. Man, what a hater. All those malicious facts and numbers. Come on, Trotter. How dare he read numbers from a book? <laughs> I know that's not very 2021 to read numbers from a book and take them as fact, but that's exactly what Jim Trotter did, and there's no malice there. Yeah. He's basically is saying, look, take a look at every John Gruden team that does not include the one he inherited that was a Super Bowl roster already. He won with Super Bowl players that somebody else handed him, and then ever since he's been in charge of making personnel decisions – His teams have not been good. And so this is what we have to go back to look at. If you're going to put him in charge of running the plays for a football team, running the staff of the football team, then I think John Gruden showed you in his first Raiders tenure, he can have success. But if you're also going to give him what he craves, which is total control of the roster, 64 and 80 speaks for itself. 19 and 29 speaks for itself. And the fact that this draft class was universally panned, and now everybody is saying, hey, it's just the Raiders. That's the indictment. The indictment is that you can't blame this on Al Davis liking speed receivers anymore. You have to blame this on John Gruden, and you have to blame it on Mark Davis for letting it happen year after year. 
So he's now going into year four with the Raiders in, in, in the second stint, and he's yet to have a winning record. You and I both know three years in the, in the NFL is a lifetime. So he tore down a team that was basically a year removed from the playoffs to rebuild it, and it hasn't turned out the way that he or the Raider fans have wanted. So ultimately, to, to me, you cannot say that they are better now than they were when he took over the franchise. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, there is a part of Raider Nation that I've dubbed status quo nation. That's just kind of cool with everything that's going on. That must be livid right now. Just livid. Jim Trotter. Unreal. But the number, I mean, the, he, the numbers do back it up. So then why would Rodgers want to come here? Why did Russell Wilson? Are, they, are, are we just being played here in Las Vegas? We're just a negotiating pawn? We're not really the destination? It's just a good team with a big-name coach to throw into the mix? We are a team with a big-name coach with a really nice new stadium with no state income tax. But we are also a place where a decision-maker who is known to be a bit rash and impulsive in John Gruden is in charge. And these agents and these players know exactly what they're doing. They're hoping that they can get John Gruden involved, get him in love with Russell Wilson, get him in love with Aaron Rodgers, get him in love with quarterbacks because John Gruden ran QB camp. We know he loves the idea of developing quarterbacks. So maybe they think that they can leverage John Gruden, the decision maker versus John Gruden, the coach, and get him to say, you know what? Take it. Take the first round picks. Take Darren Waller. Take whatever you want off this roster so that we can have our quarterback of the past slash future. Again, Derek Carr is a above-average NFL quarterback. He's not Russell Wilson. He's not Aaron Rodgers. But these teams think they can get John Gruden to bite on dumping Carr and going for one of them. On the way back, the uh, latest chapter with Rodgers and the reaction to the rift is Brett Favre. I mean, we check in on this thing weekly. It's a brilliant podcast that he's doing with Eric Bowling. I was always a big fan of Eric Bowling, love what he's doing now in the sports world as he's uh, you know, making this thing move smoothly, the podcast with Brett Favre. Well, Favre has his say on Rodgers and this anger that Rodgers apparently has towards the current Packers GM. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, dude. Adam Candy, do you have any uh, weekly, daily, must-listen-to podcast? You know, not really in the off-season for football. During the football season, I'm pretty devoted to the PFF NFL podcast and to the forecast with uh, George and Eric, our uh, Monday guests, but not in the off-season as much. Yes, uh, also a fine podcast, a uh, late-night podcast, Cofield & Company. It's our Vegas Sports Talk Uncensored. I would listen no, to I that one. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Tonight we're with uh, Seren Petro out of Kansas City with a 9 o'clock start. My favorite podcast right now is Bowling with Favre. It's not a bowling podcast. It's Eric Bowling, who used to be with Fox News. He's with Favre. Every week, every week they bring it. There's something compelling. Uh, in the latest episode... Eric Bowling starts out here as they start to get into uh, Aaron Rodgers. You know, Favre knows Rodgers. Favre knows the Packers. Uh, wonder what Favre thinks of Rodgers being all mad. 
let him retire. You're 38. Go ahead and retire. See you later. I mean, I'm really strong about stuff like that. And it makes him look weak in my, in my way of looking at it. It makes him look weak. So Bradshaw's. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a fair assessment. Okay. I think Farf had more to say than that. I don't think it's a fair assessment. Wait, did he just say it's a fair assessment that Bradshaw calling Aaron Rodgers weak? All right. That's it. Conversation's over. No, there was a lot more to the conversation. Favre gets a little disjointed sometimes. Come on, Brett. Say what you really mean. I caution anyone of making assumptions that, I mean, maybe maybe his, you know, uh, disgruntled nature or, or anger or animosity or whatever is something else, something, you know, something that we don't know about. And um, no one erred. And, and I think I know him fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, if if he has a grudge, whether it be against the organization or a player or an, an arch rival or family, friends, he ain't budging. I don't see him coming back and, and, and saying, if this is not resolved, however, whatever the issue is, if it's not resolved, um, or even if it's resolved, but he feels like they got one up on him. He ain't going to play. Whoa. What do you think, Andy? Brett Favre says Aaron Rodgers will not easily be pleased. This, this is a lot of trouble that Rodgers is a man of conviction. And if he doesn't feel right about this, even if they try to correct it, he ain't playing. Yowza. You ever get the feeling that Brett feels like he has to have an opinion on things? Like, like, there are so many times where I hear Brett Favre talking about something, and I'm like, it's okay to say I'm not sure or I don't really know. Like, well, that was a, that was an opinion. That was a good opinion. Now that, I, uh, that now was I, an opinion that was well, largely based on do I know the guy's thoughts? I we really believe that Brett Favre is inside Aaron Rodgers' head today? Not exactly. He's just saying he's a he's a stubborn guy, and you know once he makes up his mind, he makes up his mind. Yeah, and roping the family stuff into it was a nice little touch there, as well. We know about Aaron Rodgers' longstanding issues with his family, but come on, that's that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a guy who is trying to maximize the rest of his career, which who knows how long it might be, considering he won the damn MVP last year. Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. The situations are not the same. Will you tune in? Will you download Bowling with Favre next week? I will listen on the computer or phone of one of my enemies so that I can screw up their algorithm and get them some really bad suggestions as to what they should listen to. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Alert. TV rant might be coming. Uh-oh. Well, it's, uh oh. Well, I was you. Usually, you Uh-oh. had a friggin' conniption a couple of Uh-oh. weeks ago about your live sports. Can I? Oh no. Well, here here's the rant. I'm an idiot. Over. Done. Let, Thank let's you. End, let's end the show. Okay. <laughs> I am an idiot. I still believe my complaints about satellite and cable were valid. That cutting the cord was something I needed to do. But I got to tell you, I think I'm too stupid or old to figure out how to manage this whole thing. I feel like I was paying 
I don't know, like 175 for TV. I think I'm paying $1,750 a month now. I It's just... Eh, eh. The standalone packages, and it, here's what happens. So last night, our good buddy from the Late Night Podcast crew, Allie, plus Money Honey, her name, not my name for her. It's not having me too. Allie is like, hey, I just watched Taffer and Bar Rescue. It's all Vegas. Right? So I was like, all right, let me get to the TV. Here we go. Bar Rescue's back. Taffer's like 700 times more intense than I am. Is yelling all the time. His hair's flying all over the place. So I get amped up to watch Bar Rescue. How do you find it? I I never found it. I don't I, this a la carte thing, Candy. I I don't know how to manage it. And then we'll get messages on Twitter. And social media and people will be like, it's right here, moron. I, I looked for it for 38 minutes. I'm signing up for free seven-day trials, subscription here, subscription there, nothing. I can't find anything now. I'm a feeble old buffoon. How did the Googling go? Oh, I Googled it too, by the way, because I, I immediately went after about nine minutes of frustration. I'm like, how do you watch Bar Rescue? Paramount. Never, never figured it out. You And by, so- by the way, I also, here's the other thing that happened. I'm sorry. I know you had a comment. I never found it. Um, the other thing that happened is I signed up for a free trial of Paramount. I'm like, you know what Paramount's good for? Yellowstone. Because whatever that lady is, what, what's her name? The Beth, I think, is her character. She's bare-assed all the time. It's a nice view. Costner's in it. I like, what is his name? Rip? Is that the guy? Big, tough guy, badass, rancher. Every, by the way, right now, everyone on the show is looking at me like, what, yellow what? Who? Beth? Ass? Rip? Uh, I sign up for a free trial. I really never find Bar Rescue, the episode I want to find. And then, like, Yellowstone's nowhere to be found. I feel like both the solution to your needs for bare ass and to figure out where bar rescue is can be solved on the internet. I, I feel like both of these can both easily be solved with Google a lot better than you spending 38 minutes poking around. Like what was the SO part of this? Like did, did, did she just watch you feebly doing this and like laugh or what? She was kind of half paying attention, but she was, uh, she, I don't know. She was mystified by something on her phone, so she conveniently just kind of disappeared into the uh, the bowels of the internets. And just every once in a while, she'd look up and be like, "Yeah, there's nothing still playing. This is amazing. This I, I live with a freaking blithering moron." Where did you try to get Paramount? Did you did you put it on the Roku? Did you put it on the smart TV? What What'd you do? It's a Fire Stick. I went through Amazon because uh, uh-huh. they have a hook to it. And then I went okay. to another uh-huh. Paramount app, the direct one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, I know I'm fi- uh, six days away from being charged and it was just a complete flop loss. The mission not accomplished. I feel like you need to pay direct TV just to simplify your life. Like you mean you may need to pay some sort of TV idiot tax just to be like, hey, give me one guide that tells me where everything is um, and give me someone I can call if I can't find what I want. Like, you can't call Google and say, where's the bar rescue? But you probably could call DirecTV and say, 
show me where Taffer is. I need my Taffer. Did I just invent an app that will make me a millionaire? The concept. Now, I won't play what I just said to the venture capitalists that I'm going to need. Because that's, that's not going to be like, they're going to be like, wait, I'm going to give you money to come up with this app and run this company. But I actually heard your rant leading to this. God, you're stupid. I can't give you money. You just reinvented TV Guide. That's really what you did. You reinvented a magazine that went off the shelf 20 years ago. Congratulations. You are a genius. Uh, uh, we're at the end of one. Golden Knights and Wild are scoreless. We got our podcast coming back tonight at 9 o'clock. It's on YouTube at Steve Cofield. Hockey game's over on Fox Sports Las Vegas.